the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to take your place on the starting grid and get ready for Racer Radio. Your host, Dave Stahl, about to take you for a white-knuckle lap around the motorsports industry, covering everything from top-notch national drivers and crew chiefs right down to your local kid racers and racetracks. Watch for the apex, because here comes Racer Radio with Dave Stahl. Welcome to Racer Radio FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This segment's brought to you by King or House House Sponsor. Southwest Point of Sale. What am I thinking about? You got a liquor store, grocery store. Maybe you're looking to just drop it down into doing like one cashier or having no cashiers. Well, Southwest Point of Sale can make that happen. 800 540 2149. They'll come out, take a look at your business, and if it works, they'll bring their equipment out. And it won't cost you any more than you would have paid for a cash register. Plus, you get all the equipment necessary, plus 24-hour day service. Call them, 800-540-2149. Tell them thanks for sponsoring Racer Radio. And Black Forest Motorsports, if you have a Mini Cooper, BMW, or a Porsche. You're looking for a dealer alternative, over 40 years experience. BlackForestAutomotive.com. Check them out. Well, we got the kid in the house. Hi, David. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. No, How are you? you're not. You're I exhausted. Am. You're tired. You want to go to bed. I'm also fantastic. Well, you're always fantastic. Yeah, so who'd yeah. you bring in today? Oh, my goodness. So a warning to the listeners. You know how Dave and I can talk? Like horsepower, bacon, and music in one conversation. I think that's how today is going to go with our guest. Mm. He can talk anything from motorcycles to skateboarding, uh, obesity to amputation. He is a very competitive young man, um, an inspiration to many. And it's sprinkled with a wicked sense of humor from what I've gotten to know. Please welcome Michael Lewis, minus one. Yeah, hey, Michael. Yeah, you got to the yeah, mic. You have a lot to share. Yeah, pull that thing over there. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, uh, by the way, David, I was uh, following our guest on Facebook for a couple of years, and when I was out at Barona Oaks um, for the MX reunion, yeah. Barona Oaks reunion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was out at the track and the VMX, and I was walking the pits, and I saw you, and I was like, well, that's got to be him, and just walk right up to you, and we, you had like a race to get to, but still gave me time to, for a nice conversation, so we had to have you in for more. David, are you going to join us? I am totally listening. No, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm answering a car question. Oh, oh a car question. So uh, thank you for your time. Uh, you made quite an impression, so I was like, we got to bring you in. How'd that race go? I know you've raced a bunch since. Do you remember that day? I do. Out there with Scott Burnworth in his I, event. Scott put on a great race. And yeah. It was, the track was fantastic. But the biggest enjoyment for me was the people because mm-hmm. there was like a thousand guys there that many of them were old racers. That, oh, yeah. I met a lot of people that day. And 
not being at their level for mm-hmm. me it was like you know these are guys i've watched race for years and years mm-hmm. and years and years and years and here i got to get out on the track with them and then um we were there for three days so we got to spend some time yeah yeah you know, talking yeah, and yeah. you know hearing about the history of barona and some of their histories yeah. and, and their interaction with each other so you know it's a it's a serious brotherhood you want them closer to the mic Oh. Uh, while we're adjusting the mic, for our listeners, um, would you mind giving a little history? Because you started way back with uh, Speedway, right? Oh, wait, or Flat oh. Track? Oh, geez. What, down at one seven, Highway uh, 117? No, I actually, I started in 1963 riding in the desert. He was only eight. I was. I was. <laughs> I was. Um, I started riding in the desert, and then we started riding, you know, the scrambles and TT tracks and all of that. That's what you wanted to do professionally, right? Right. right. I wanted to be the, you know, the Grand National Motocross, I mean, motorcycle racing champion. You know, back then, it was, you know, Gary Nixon and mm-hmm. Burt Lawwell mm-hmm. and Bart Markle mm-hmm. and, and then Kenny Roberts and ultimately right. Dave Aldana and right. Gene Romero, those right. kind of guys. Keep going. Yeah. So, so I... That's, All my idols. Yeah, my idols too. And fortunately, I got to meet some of them. Yeah. Mm. And so I started racing uh, flat track and TT. And my mom remarried. Actually, I got involved in motorcycles because my parents divorced when I was very young. And I was five. And when I was eight, um, my stepdad said, hey, if you start towing the line, I'll buy you a motorcycle. Awesome. So all of a sudden, I was paying attention to school. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I was doing the things I needed to do. So we heard this story. Yeah, that's yeah. So, great. so so he got me a little Yamaha 80 that was a street bike. Sure. And it was a YG1. And we ended up with a hacksaw cutting everything off Stop. of it that you didn't need. Really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it had about two to two and a half inches of travel. And I'm racing oh, so I'm, much. I, yeah, I was riding that in the <laughs> desert against the Honda S90s, and you know, and then the Hodakas came out, and of course, I hated Hodaka riders because you know they had suspension, they had faster bikes, and they were more reliable. But um, so that's what How I started. How could you say a Hodaka is reliable? More reliable compared to the what I was riding, it was <laughs> in all of perspective. I always, I always tell this story. I always try to deal with the Cal VMX guys, and a guy had a a bull taco, you know, down at the station. It's like, oh, wow, man, that's a nice looking bull taco. Is it also, you know, is it a real deal? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, how's it start? Starts great. I said, well, it can't be a bull taco. Right? Those things never started until you got them started, and they were awesome. Yeah, then they ran. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, the stories, you know, because you've been racing, geez, but all professional or just for fun? No, no, no. I I was young, so I started racing. like the flat tracks, and then my stepdad uh, got transferred back to Washington, D.C. Mm. He was with the American Satellite Corporation. Actually, he was with Comsat Communications back right. then, but he got transferred back there, and flat track was real big back there. Mm. Big, half, half, big. Half mile, quarter mile, mile oval. Um, mile. So we started to race back, back there. And when I was 12 years old, I said, hey, you know, I want to, New, new bike my dad says great go buy one you know <laughs> and he says if you want one go buy one yeah. you know and so he he ultimately got me a job at a motorcycle shop Perfect. so you could afford to buy one at 12 so i i clean toilets for a dollar an hour do you still do that your uh, wife wants to know um no i wipe the not. seat off 
I wipe the seat off. Okay. okay. That's a start. He has very good Put aim. Put the seat up. Okay, sorry. I, I, I no, did. I, I did. Well, it depends if I had anything to drink, because then the aim's not as good. But, <laughs> but the, no, the, so I went to work at a, a place called Cycles Incorporated, which ultimately became the second largest motorcycle dealership in the nation. Where at? 4219 Wilson Boulevard. Oh, he probably does a phone number, too. Um, no, I didn't I mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, no. Um, and where's, where's this located? Well, it's not there anymore. Now it's called Coleman uh, Motorsports. And I, mean, I think it's San all Diego. online. Dad, no, I, think, I think it's all online. But I mean, is it in San Diego? No, no, no. It, no, it was in, in um, Arlington, Virginia. Oh, okay. I'm just, yeah, because a lot of, you know, you're making the old guys get a headache. Yeah. Trying to remember. I don't remember seeing that on El no, Coleman Boulevard. Moved. Yeah. So I, I start working there and then I was able Pick to. your dog up. He's having a heart attack. He's having a good time. Ollie is with me for you guys that know yeah, Ollie. If you're into docs, we have a little kitty yeah. in here. So when I was 16, um, I was doing really well. I, you know, I, I was able to race a couple of pro races, got third really? place in my first two pro races, and then um, I won nine out of 11 races. And the what? 11, the 11th race, wow. I took a foot peg through my right leg at about 80 miles an hour. Oh. Why? And they trans well i was attached to the bike so they had to take Stop the, it. they had to take the peg off the the pegs off the bike and they were a solid piece That's it right. went all the way underneath right Stop so it. they transported oh. me from winchester virginia and right. the racetrack's still there it's called winchester speedway they transferred me it was a mile and they transferred me from there to the hospital uh oh and i had the expansion chamber stuck to the back of my leg so that burnt all the way through the meat sure the peg was still in me Right. And they took me to the hospital. I don't remember a lot other than screaming all the way you oh, know, of course. to the oh hospital. Gosh. And then um, they took the peg out, or the peg came out. They took it all out. And I, I remember looking at my leg, and it was like turned around backwards. Mm. And um, Did you regret looking? No. Nah, no, you gotta, no, you no I kept saying, get me back for the final. I had a boy. No, I really did. No, you know? no, no, I believe no, no. it. I, I, believe I believe it. it. I thought I was going to be back in time, you know, because yeah. I was racing two classes that yeah. day, and, and I said, get, get me back for the final. Done. I said, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know? so, Is this when they took the leg? Well, no, they, they set it. They removed the, the peg, yeah. and they set it, and... Like three days later, I woke up in the hospital, and I remember the doctor asking me, can you move your toes? And I looked down, they're all blue. I said, no, I don't even feel my toes. <sighs> so the next thing I know, they're loading me in a helicopter, and it was one of those ones that's like the little bubble front. That, yeah. You know, because yeah, this is in 1972. Welcome to MASH 4077. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the thing is, they don't put you inside. They put you underneath. So you're on a gurney strapped to the underneath side of this helicopter. To the belly yeah. of the copter. Yeah. So they lift up, and I'm looking around thinking, oh, this is scary. Did did they forget about me? (laughs) And they took me to Baltimore, Maryland, University Hospital, and that's where they amputated Ah, the leg. Gotcha. And how old were you then? I was 16. Wow. So let's finish up that story because Dirt Dude's not calling in. Correct. So we'll be right back on Racer Radio to finish up the Michael Lewis minus one story right here on Racer Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Racer Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. The is brought to you by El Cajon Ford, where nobody, absolutely nobody treats you better than El Cajon Ford. Inventory starting to creep in. Used cars are starting to build up. Need a vehicle? Check them out. ElcajonMotors.com. Service department will work on every single car in your garage. You can't ask for anything better than that. Check him out right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, Brittany. 
How are you doing, kiddo? I'm well. Um, I have a listener already asking, why isn't Dirt Dude calling in? Um, that Just so you know, he's has obligations, family obligations, but said he will gladly call in with results next he week. He has a fan. Yeah. And I just don't want the, the listeners, the racers, the crews to think we forgot about you. We know that a lot of you raced your little hearts out last night. You have not been forgotten. In fact, he said he would gladly call in with results next week okay and we'll just i'm double cool with up. that yeah because we have such an awesome guest in today um but um this so we, we left was, with mike lewis at with the age of 16, 16. and a in, helicopter belly strapped to the belly right, of a helicopter involved in a motorcycle <laughs> accident uh, impaled his which leg right leg right leg uh, and unfortunately, due to the probably the length of going from the racetrack to the hospital and all of that, you lost the leg. Well, I developed what's called gangrene, right? That's yeah. just gangrene, and they at the time told me they didn't know if that That's was a dirty. The, must have been a dirty track. <laughs> it was a dirt tra- track, and and I was a little dirty. Yeah. Um, but they, and it took a while, I'm sure, to get you from point A to point B. You know, I don't know exactly whether you it was the lack there. of fresh oxygen yeah. or the uh, lack yeah. of fresh blood, but they did put me in a decompression chamber with right. the legs, you know, flayed open for a few days trying yeah. to, you Clean know, kill out. the infection. So you basically 16 and you're, what, 22 now? <laughs> so, you know, you've had to go a few years This is like radio. This. You can well, say that. I, but you've adapted. Well, I uh, and then some. I'm what's called a raca, which is a right above the knee amputee. Right so, oh, okay. So raca. Okay. So, okay. Um, I, I have the residual leg that for me is very short. The thigh. Right. So yeah. the longer that is, the easier it is to adapt mm. when it's really short. And then there's those that you know don't really have any residual leg. Right. Right. And then that's really tough on them. Mm. You know. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't as difficult as this for many, um, but. When I left the hospital, um, you know, I had already decided, even though the doctor said, you're never going to walk again, you know, you're never going to do this. Because I kept saying, hey, hurry up and get me out so I can race. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I was still 16 between years. Yeah. Sure, you know what I mean? Probably a good thing. And still and still wanting to race. So yeah. I, I, I don't did, have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. So I did go back and race um, three times. And, you know, my sponsors disappeared, you know, cause yeah. back in 1972, Oops. it's like they, nobody even wanted a one-legged guy that lost his leg on a motorcycle at the motorcycle track, let alone out on the track. And there were no prosthesis technology back then that would accommodate what you wanted to do. No, no. The, the legs back then were solid fiberglass, right. you know, and it was for walking and maybe driving a car, maybe. Yeah. Above the knee was Back then, you know, it was you, tough. Yeah, they expected you to stay in either in a wheelchair right. or even use crutches when you walked with the leg. Right. Back Did then. you finally find an advocate or were, was it just you, like, pushing no, forward? Oh, oh, no, no. My my family and my friends were super supportive of me. But by the time um, we all realized that I didn't have any business racing back then, um, you know, my stepdad just sold all the motorcycles. And it's like, now motorcycles are gone. Uh, oh, wow. But I still worked at the motorcycle shop, so I bought another one. <laughs> Unbeknownst. <laughs> because Rickman came out with what was called the Rickman Zundap, and it had the, the you know, nobody had kickstart, I mean, uh, electric, electric starts start, back yeah. there except the Yamaha AT1, and that wasn't uh, competitive. So I bought a Zundap, which had a kickstart and a gear shift on, on the, the left. left side. Right. So I tried doing an enduro and a motocross on that, and I, it just wasn't for me. You uh-huh. know, I still rode, and I, you know, have, I've ridden ever since. You know, but since, not with 
a prostate no, plague. No, right. no, because I yeah. had no control over it. Yeah. You know, you don't have control over the no, Now they have them that, you know, $100,000 legs that, of course, you can, you know, you can probably. So that, did that end your race career? Yeah, that, that ended my. Professional ra- race that, career. That, Professionals. That, that ended right. my race career. Did you stay in the industry? Um, no, I actually went to work for a company that was making um, motocross handlebars, the number plate, the grips, the number, and zip ties on uh, like a shrink wrap for bicycles, for BMX. Oh, okay. So we, we would sell those all over the country, these mm-hmm. bicycle, because, you know, that bicycle motocross was just coming into yeah. its own. It, but everybody had like the little Stingray or whatever, yeah. and then yeah. they put these kits on there, and they had a motocross bike. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So we started selling those. And then they invented the urethane wheel. I hear skateboarding coming in. Okay, skateboarding's right around the corner here. So my boss said, hey, uh, I know where to get these urethane wheels. We can silkscreen them and put the name of our company on there, and we can sell them. Now, they were loose ball bearing back then, so there was eight ball bearings in every wheel, Uh and, you know, we'd put them in there. And um, so we started making skateboards. Actually, we we did business with Ralph Barnes Plastic, and they made the wheels. So you just did the trucks? We, well, no, we assembled them, and we put our names on them. We put the grip tape, and then we sold the completed units. Gotcha. Well, we ended up getting the 7-Eleven store account. So, oh. So we, we got an order. On every street corner. From, from you know, like, we, first we were selling like 100 a month, and then all Not of a sudden sell. we're selling 100,000 wow, a month. Wow, yes. But the deal was is that um, we had a 1,000-square-foot shop. So we moved to a 10,000-square-foot wow. shop over in Westminster. And start hiring people. And hiring people. And, and because I was the number three in the company, mm-hmm. they said, okay, you're in charge of shipping, you're in char- charge of manufacturing and all of that. Well, walking on crutches from the front to the back, the, my office to the back, 50 times a day was too much. Tell so, me you started riding. So I put a skateboard on the yes. ground. And I'd use my crutches to propel myself. <laughs> so every day I'd go back and forth. And then pretty soon. Our you break, got pretty good at it. Well, during breaks and lunch, we started racing around pallets, you know. <laughs> and it got to the point where nobody could beat me because I just put my crutch out in front of him and they go flying Stop over it. the front of the, the no. skateboard. No, well, I'd, you, yeah, I'd, I, whatever it took. You know, it's roller derby. That was roller derby exactly. time. Exactly. You know what I mean? trying. Yeah, so try to pass me. You know yeah. what I mean? Again, You're going to get a crutch in the crutch. I mean, it, oh, the old cloud, oh, that crutch, right. that crutch. I'm surprised it, he didn't it, earn other names. It worked he every did, time. But this is radio. Yeah. It right. worked every time. So, it worked every time. anyway, we started doing trade shows where we'd show, you know, we'd feature our product, and, right. and uh, our product got a little bit better and a little better. And we did the Orange County Fairgrounds. They had a big, huge skateboard competition, and and you could sell all your components. So, while we were there, my boss, his name was Donald Bunker, and he said. You need to enter the skateboard competition. I'm watching these guys, and you can do everything they're doing. That's awesome. Around the office. He says, <laughs> he says yeah, you've been doing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, he says they've got freestyle, they got slalom, and they got cross-country. I'll pay the entry fee. It was like That's three old. bucks. And how old are we right now? Uh, 17 or 18. Okay, so you you're know? game for anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still 16 between the years, remember? <laughs> so I said, sure, I'll do it. You know, so he signs me up for all three events. Well, I start watching these guys doing freestyle. It's like, I've never done a trick on a skateboard in my life, you know. <laughs> so I went behind the building. I watched a couple of guys and I went and behind the building. And behind a building right before the competition. At the fairgrounds. I'm loving know, this. Uh, on asphalt. Uh. And so I come back out. They call my name. I end up getting eighth place. Okay. And I found out later it was the world championship. Oh, my and gosh. And I was skating against Tom Sims, oh Stacy Peralta, Jay Adams, oh um, all of these big names. But, you know, they felt sorry for, you know, this guy with one leg gets up there and he competes. And, you know, 
so, you know, I think that was a gimme just to give me the eighth place, but it didn't matter because I came away with a big head. You know? Oh, goodness. And um, so that what? was kind of the beginning of my skateboard deal. From that, that moment on, I started skateboarding every day, every single day. And practiced, I started uh, practicing under the Huntington Beach Pier for years. Uh-huh. I mean, and there was a restaurant up above. There was a couple of different ones, but Maxwell's and Captain Hook. Um, and they would give me free dinners. Nice. Because everybody would sit out on the balcony and watch me skateboard. Well, I, I met other skateboarders there. Yeah. Ed Natalin, Russ Howell, some of the biggest names yeah. in skateboarding. And then also a woman named Gail Webb. I was wondering, yes. <laughs> named Gail. And, and so, listeners will so, be meeting her in a month or so. Yeah. So we, so we became, uh, you know, friends. And then I started getting invited to tournaments. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody named Hobie Alter contacted me and said, uh, I'd like you to skate for me. Really? So I started skating for Hobie. Right on. And then um, they had a Northern California Skateboard Championships. And all the big names were mm-hmm. going to be there. And this was my first really big championship. And the day that they had that tournament, they announced they were having a pro division. So all the really big names turned pro. <laughs> because they wanted the 500 bucks or 1000 uh-huh. bucks sure. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Yes. I, I stayed in the amateur division. So he was division. kind of a sandbagger, not really. but No, I was. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew I couldn't compete with those guys, yeah. even, even though one-footed tricks paid twice the points. You know, oh. one-footed tricks. Oh. Yeah, they do. In so you, you were used, just always you still doing used, that. You still used your crutches, right? Sure, to propel myself. Did the competition consider that a disadvantage or an for advantage. them or an advantage? <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell you what they were thinking. Right. But they never said anything. Otherwise, no, they no, would no. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. And I, I, they were probably just impressed. Back then, I went through so many crutch tips that I started putting urethane wheels on the yeah. bottom of my crutches. So, and we got them free. So, yeah, what the heck? So I used, you know, uh, urethane wheels as crutch tips. But, oh um, so they, we did the eliminations. We did the finals, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm hoping I get on the podium. Yes. You know? So they announced third place, and it's this guy named Rick Lugo. And, and I said, oh, that's it. I'm not getting a spot. And then the second place guy. And, and then I, I'm thinking, I'm done, you know. So then they, and they said, and the winner of, you know, this year's Northern California State Freestyle Skateboard Championship is. And they call my name. And, I'm, <laughs> I, I, and you're walking out the door. No, and I'm a little nervous, you know. And I, so I go up there. I drop my crutches. Oh, my I gosh, hop, he's fumbling. I hop up on top of the podium, you know, on the very top. When yeah. they hand me this six-foot-tall trophy and I fall over because no! it's too heavy. Oh. I can't, oh you know, my. I'm trying to balance yeah, over the yeah. front of the podium. Did you yeah. break it? So No, but they had to lift me up and then hold it for me because I couldn't balance uh, up there and, and hold it. Made it quite but, memorable. But, oh, my God. But what an inspiration for people that have amputees to think once they lose a limb, they're done. You are at the tip of the iceberg right you here with our conversation we had earlier. seriously the tip of the iceberg. Yes. Okay, unfortunately, we have to take a break. We have one more segment at yes, least. Yes, we do. The fourth we will segment. hear more from Mike oh. Lewis, minus one, right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Razor Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Brittany wants a 12-hour racial radio show. I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, but we'll see what happens. Go find some more sponsors. I bring in good guests. I love it. I can't help myself. Go find some more sponsors. (laughs) Paris Auto Speedway sponsors this segment, and Scott's (laughs) not going to let it go. I don't care what you say to him.
because that is one awesome track. Yes, Half it Mile is. Clay that's up in uh, Paris uh, and just right there at the fairgrounds. And they put on a show probably better than most in Southern California, but they don't care. All they want to do is make you race fans happy and come out for a Class A show and an unbelievable announcer, and that would be Mr. Scott Delosio. How you doing, bud? Doing good. How are you guys doing today? Well, Great. We, so we got a guy in here that raced what you love, and that's Speedway Bikes. or Speedway or no? Flat Track. Flat Track. His name's Mike Lewis minus one because he had a leg removed while doing that. But he stayed within it, then went skateboarding. So I figured you'd get a kick out of that. We, that's cool. I've been listening to the show. We actually had a guy in Speedway. Uh, when I first got involved in the sport back in 1980 by the name of David DeTemple, uh-huh. who had his right leg uh, amputated below the knee. Yeah. And he was a very, he was a top rider. I mean, we talk scratch riders. Um, you know, that's a pinnacle of sport here in the U.S. Sure. And David DeTemple was a scratch rider, probably ranked in the top 12, you know. Wow. Really good. And there was, a, you know, if you follow sprint car racing, Tony the Tiger Simon out here, Mm-hmm. He crashed, I want to say, I forget where the crash was, before I moved out here, just before, and he lost one of his arms. Mm. First race first race back in a sprint car, he won the main event. Wow. I think it's all inspirational. I, I really, really do. I think when you know adversity you know smacks you in the face, you have two choices. You can go sit and just sulk, or you can make something of it. And make an impact, and I think that's that's yes. You have much... a, a quote about sitting on a couch, Michael. Well, you know, I just believe that nobody's going to live this life but you. So I I set my own limits in life, and if you know, there's three types of people. The way I look at it, there's those that make things happen. There's those that watch things happen, and then there's one those that wonder just what happened. Right, yeah. wonder what happened. <laughs> I like that. So what's kicking, brother? You got some big event coming up? I'll bet you. Yeah, well, we do. You know, we've been off. Um, actually, we took a summer break this year. This will be the first time this coming Saturday, I should say, be the first time we've had racing since July 2nd. So we've been off for six weeks. Wow. Um, That's a long time for which, you guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's probably when you think about Arizona, you know, those tracks, they basically close yeah. July, August into September. Mm. Um, the track I sometimes go up to, which you've had the promoter on before, Mojave Valley, they close like May yeah. until yeah. September because it just For gets good too reason. Hot. Yeah, dude, I just came through there on Saturday and it was a hundred and fifteen. Nobody races at one hundred and fifteen degrees. Who wants to go out in that? Not me. I was wear glad. a suit, sit behind a motor that's running right. at exactly. one hundred and eighty degrees. So you're coming back this coming Saturday. Yeah, this coming Saturday, and we will. This is the second half of the season opener, uh, Night of Destruction. Yes, our most popular show right now. I'm looking um, for pictures right now to show you, Lewis. <laughs> it's the most popular show we have right now, and uh, we're going to keep going strong through November. You wow. know, the first part of November. So it's the next three months. It's full throttle once again. Yeah. So with half season, it's, it's been oh. nice to have the six weeks off. Believe me. Yeah, I'm sure. But isn't it? Isn't it? Are you a tad surprised that it's so popular? No. Night of Destruction? No. no. I'm not. not. No. I know you're not asking me, but I'm not surprised. Not you. you haven't seen it, Dave. You haven't been there I in have person. I have, too. When? I've been there more times than you care up. to it. No, I'm um, not. I've been there. 
If if one no, sees it, it in person, you would not be surprised. Right. I've been there. It's, it's like that across the country. You know, I've talked to promoters. Uh, I know the Lawrenceburg Speedway in Indiana, their biggest crowds, Night of Destruction. The racetrack I grew up at, Flat Rock Speedway in Michigan. Yeah. Um, you know, I see the videos from there lately, and their crowds are way, way down. They run. Um, their Night of Destruction is a little bit different because they run figure eight races with right. their regular shows all the time. But they bring in school bus figure eight, and Kenny Schrader drives in that a lot. I know. When they when they do that, the place is packed. With I know. Them. So it's you know it's a different deal. Um, you know, you bring somebody to a four ten sprint car race who's maybe not into racing, and they're just not going to get it. You know, if they're a motorhead, they're probably going to figure out and like it. Um, but you can take anybody off the street and put a bunch of crazy people out there wrecking cars. Um, you know, with our deal, we combine it. It's racing and wrecking. So it's not just wrecking cars. Right. You know, so they can cheer for the guy trying to get to the finish line first is what we do. But everybody understands that. There's nothing super hard to understand when you do that. And it's yeah. a, you know, it's a good show. I mean, we're normally out of there by 930 at night. So people can come in. Their kids don't get bored. Uh, they come out early. They can meet all the drivers on the racetrack for like a half hour, 45 minutes. That's the most important thing is entertaining the kids because if a kid doesn't like what he's seeing, uh, he's not going to ask mom and dad to take him exactly. the next time. Right. And then again, the kid is not, you know, the parents aren't going to want to take the kid if he doesn't want to yeah. go to find something just... else to do that the kid can enjoy. Well, and you know as well as I do that with the safety requirements that you instill in, in Night of Destruction, the good part about it is people love to see crashes. I don't care. Just go down the freeway, wait till there's a fender bender, and everybody's got to oh look. Oh, my gosh. But if you go to a racetrack and it's organized and it's just mayhem, double stacking cars, buses, you know, trailer, you know, as long as everybody they know everybody's going to walk away, then it is the most fun you could ever have. I agree. Um, you know, when Don brought in those double-deckers a couple of years ago, that just took it to another level. Yes. Um, people, you know, people probably relate to seeing cars stacked on top of each other with one guy steering and one guy controlling the throttle and the brakes. Um, but it's so crazy, you know, that it's fun. Well, and you guys just don't stack two cars on top. You put the top car on backwards or you put the car forward like i think there's a pt cruiser That's what i just showed our guest just yes. mounts on top of a, <laughs> a car backwards so uh, the driver's looking out the back window but has no. minimal control and but the fans oh, just love it he has he has a lot of control because he's controlling he controls the steering wheel <laughs> yeah but he doesn't control the gas pedal or the brake no that that's the guy down below it's a 50 50 deal the guy or the gal down below it's a 50 50 deal you know uh they have to depend on each other. And the only communication is only screaming. communication is screaming. We found oh one guy turned upside down last year. When he got out of the car, he left the radio inside. Uh, that's not good. Yeah. Because oh. no, yeah, that, it is a family sport. Yeah. So, so you're going to have the double-deckers. You're going to have – what else are you going to have? The For- mini stocks um, – which, by the way, and I'll confirm this later. You got Jeff Dyer's been on your show several. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah. Uh, the sprint car driver and his son was now racing lightning sprints. Um, he bought a car for his wife to run in Night of Destruction this year in the mini stocks, and she hasn't raced it yet. Except she took it up to Mojave Valley and raced an oval race. Well, yeah. apparently she doesn't want to race it, 
So Jeff figures if she doesn't want to race it, he's put it up for sale. Nobody's bought it. He's just come out there and wreck it on Saturday night. So that would be the first sprint car driver we've had running Night of Destruction. I mean, oh, I bet he does for, well. He's how's gonna... that for career advancement? Wow. Send me a text, Brittany. You'll buy it. That I know, right? That's the one I because that's the one that's you've so, been talking about. I know. I st- mm, still in me now that desire. Got... And this is all this coming Saturday. Yeah. Wow. You know, we get we get done with that. I know you talked to Chris Holt a couple of weeks ago. Um, the annual race, the California Racers Hall of Fame night's coming up. Right now, I think it's at $1,000 for the fast qualifier Whoa. that night. There's going to be a trophy dash. We do this trophy dash. You know, I suggested a few years ago to Don. It's like, it's not a regular trophy dash. You know, three, four cars, three laps. Let's do it like Speedway motorcycle racing. Yeah. Fast four qualifiers. Each car starts off each starting position one time. They get points where they finish. And at the end of the fourth race, the guy with the most points wins. Well, that's 12 laps. That's going to pay two grand to the winner. And then Chris, um, through all his connections, mm-hmm. lap money is over $5,000. Wow. A guy could take home, we were penciling together a few weeks ago, a guy who swept the show could take home over $11,000. Holy <laughs> mackerel. That is amazing. Well, I'm telling you, folks, next Saturday, mark your calendar. Scott's That's taking two care. two weeks from Saturday. Oh, two weeks? Spring Night of Destruction spring next cars week. Spring two weeks. Spring oh, car spring car the five. Okay, I got you, got you, got you. And then we wrap up the month with uh, stock cars, uh, IMCA and Pascar stock cars right. on the 27th. That sounds... Back to back to back. Hey, have you ever heard of a, a gas station called Bucky's? No, but I've heard of Sinclair, which I never... There's one up the street from me in Detroit, and I was working in Bakersfield last year, and they're all over up in that area. I, I, I drove cross-country last week bringing a vehicle back for a friend, and everybody I've ever talked to, you got to stop at Bucky's. you got to stop at Bucky's. So I've got a T-shirt... And yep, I got and a car shirt, and it's a little beaver, and it's the cleanest with a party hat on. It's the cleanest place I've ever been to. I, but I figured you of all people might have known what it was. No, I never heard of it. I can't find anybody. I, else. I've been out here for a lot of years now. So. Too many, too many. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, maybe the last few years it might be too many. With, uh, <laughs> let's not go to politics, but we can't. Yeah, we're not going to uh, do that. Well, uh, yeah. No. So you said Buck. You said Bucky, and just think about the governor, okay? Yeah, there you go. I love you. Hey, so still buy tickets online? Yeah, you can buy tickets online. Uh, it's TIX.com. Okay. Or you go to our website, and you know, nobody will have a pencil out right now. They can find the phone number on our website. But if people don't want to buy tickets, we have plenty of tickets, advanced tickets, I should say. We have plenty of okay. tickets available for everybody when they get to the racetrack every single night. Lots of seating. Yeah, oh, tons. Lots of bathroom stalls. Yeah clean very nice nice bar good they burgers have yeah good food well we know where you're going <laughs> it's a fun night i bet the I weather's know. amazing by race time. yeah because once the sun goes down yeah. it really cools off right yeah we're on the the edge of the desert you know actually most days there's a breeze comes through there till like about six o'clock yeah that's what i thought uh, you know, and it can be a warm breeze right now, obviously, but oh, yeah. we're on the edge of the desert. So once it goes down, it does usually cool off really yep. nice. And I love the fact that when they built that track, they pointed the fans to the east so they don't get blasted in the eyes with sun. They yeah, really, you know, really thought you that a lot of, when you think of a lot of stuff there, you know, the lights 
right. the front straightaway are behind the grandstands. Yeah, which is awesome. The lights for the back straightaway and the turns are in the infield, so the fans do not have sun in their eyes. No. And, and you know, when have. the early part of the show, and at night, they don't have the lights shining in their That's eyes. That's pretty cool. And it shines you know, on the, that nice hill in the back. Oh, it's I know. They, they thought it out. They yeah. really did. All right, buddy. Well, hey, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. As usual, it's always great hearing from you. And, folks, Night of Destruction mm-hmm. next Saturday night. Be there or be square. By the way, how much is that race car? So Brittany knows to save her money. Do you know? The one that Jeff's going to destroy on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, she can buy it afterwards. Before I'll after. be really cheap after. <laughs> okay, I'll make sure that she hey, has. really wants. If she really wants to drive one of those cars, those guys are always selling cars and building new ones. There's a ton of them out there. I mean, you can go down the street and probably buy one for four or five hundred bucks and just knock the glass out of it and be oh, ready to go. Well, you know, we got to get her in a car. What a great! And it'd be great for the the, the track, a little publicity, put them on TV. Now we'll, we'll we'll have to talk about that down the track, down the road, there, son. Sounds great. All right. Have a wonderful one. Always great talking to Scott Delosio, ParisAutoSpeedway.com. Thanks, bud. Take care, man. You too. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break. Why? Because it's Racer Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right. Welcome to the Racer Radio War. I, I right can't wait. Dave FM and I are racing each other. FM 1170. The answer. So guess what, folks? We're gonna we're gonna talk to Scott, and we're gonna see if we can do a little. Cele- Hell, we could do it at Barona. Don't have to drive all the way to Paris. You and I on the track. Okay. Get some. Cars. But I, I like the slalom that one. Well, I do too. I like the slalom. We'll I talk too. about it. Hey, later. who's your let's, special let's guest? Save time for Michael Lewis minus one. And as mentioned in the introduction, yeah, uh, we can talk motorcycles, skateboards, which we have. Which we have. And then amputation, which we have, and obesity. But do you need to say your sponsors first? And Certified Car Clinic. Looking to get your car worked on, get it dyno tuned. I don't care if it's a drag car, circle car, street car, or a road course car. These guys will definitely show Spring you what in. they've done with a dyno. So check them out. Go to certifiedcarcare.net, certifiedcarcare.net. So, Mike, let me ask you this. Oh, all right. What? Well, just ask, but I want to make sure he brings up a statistic that you told me downstairs in front of the door. All right. Well, before I pull to the statistics, okay, so you were very young when you lost your leg. Right. Okay, you could have went one way or the other. You could have went totally negative and stayed in your room and did puzzles, or you could (laughs) be energetic and exciting and go out and not be concerned about the fact that you've lost a leg. I've always felt that everything happens for a reason. Have you ever th- contemplated why you lost your leg at that age, and did you see any benefit from it at the age you are today? Well, I lost my leg because I was foolish at 16, mm-hmm. um, and not because I raced motorcycles, but, uh, you know, it was the mistake right. that I lost my leg was as a result of my actions. Right. So, I, you know, I can't blame anybody or anything for that. Now, but did you benefit, see a positive from well, it? Well, sure. I'm a lot lighter now. Oh, my goodness. And I get... There's that wicked sense of humor. Yes. I, I only have to buy one shoe. Stop. See, I um, told And you. how many people <laughs> have you motivated? Because you're still uh, within the sport, right? Yes. He, I, I saw him at well, the racetrack racing. Well, I'm... I'm it, no, it's a little different because I, I've had a... 
I've had a few, a couple of friends. One of them I brought with me, but I've had a couple of friends over the years mm -hmm. that one of them happened to be a guy named Gary Chaplin. And Gary's was a professional motocross racer, his life, mm -hmm. uh, and very famous, did a lot of traveling. And a few years ago, I saw him at Gene Romero's um, mm. tribute mm -hmm. after Gene died. And Gene was a flat, famous flat tracker. Very famous. And uh, Gary said to me, he was there signing autographs, and, and he saw me and he says, hey, are you still riding? I said, yeah. And he says, you want to go ride tomorrow? And I said, yeah. And because Gary lived fairly close to me. So he said, let's go to a track called Kawea, uh, which I'd never been to. And in fact, I'd really never ridden a motocross track. And so I went there with him, and we rode. We started riding every Wednesday at Kawea. And one day he says, hey, I want to go this Saturday. I said, all right, let's go. So this is about my fifth, sixth time riding a motocross track. We um, went to Kauia. We get there, and they said, oh, you can't ride because we're having a race today. And I said, well, wait. We drove all the way down here. I want to ride, you know. Mm -hmm. So Gary says, well, let's go ride the main track. So I went over, and I said, hey, how much is it to race? And they said, 40 bucks. And I said, sign me up, you know. Mm -hmm. So I come back. I go, Gary, help me put this transponder on my bike. He goes, for what? I go, I signed up to race. He goes, you got to be kidding me. And I said, no. Now, he did says, you have a prosthesis? No, I don't ride with a prosthetic. No. So you didn't have nothing? Well, no, I had a motorcycle. Well, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, yeah, no, I don't use a... I don't use an artificial leg. No kidding. So, I sent you the picture, Dave. I'm going to bring it up. Okay. So I signed up, and I had never started at a starting gate because when I quit racing, Whoa. when I started racing, uh, or when I finished racing flat track, it was all the flagmen. Yes. So Gary says, listen, just let everybody go. Let them go. When the gate <laughs> drops, let them go, and then you go. So I did. I waited. Everybody got to the first turn. I took off. Um, well, I ended up getting fifth out of like 18 guys nice. Picking off in the, the first riders. moto. Nice. So the next one, I said, well, I'm not going to let him go no. so far this time. <laughs> yeah, the heck with that noise. So I ended up getting a second in the second moto. That day? And, and, Are we talking? Yeah. Oh, so nice. my first motocross race and my first race in 47 years, I got a podium. And, wow. and didn't so, fall off this time. Uh, no, I believe it or not, I've gone around a couple times without falling. No, off the podium, like you're. Oh no, 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 no! In, yeah, yeah, in yeah, motocross, yeah. they just hand you, you know, oh, a little thing. It's so, like the portion of leg you have left on the right, were you able to use that to kind of squish yourself into the tank? You know, I I did that for a while until I break broke my hip twice. So now I don't do that anymore. And the other thing I and it I, took twice for you to figure that out. Well, I kind of figured it the first time, and the second time, you know, that was a confirmation. No, yeah, the second time I learned that you know you you got to keep that away from the tank and the seat. Um, and then I was really starting to get competitive mm -hmm. after that. I mean, really getting competitive. And, um, you know, I did one of those 16-year-old things again, uh, yeah. and I broke my neck. Yeah, that was recent. So, I yeah, mean, not that, even that long ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. Um, so my wife says, that's two it. years ago, yeah, he yeah. Just I Ollie, COVID. Ollie, did you hear that? Did you hear he broke his neck two years ago? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, so my wife says, you are done. You know, you're full of titanium. You're full of screws and all of this stuff. And can't take you to the airport. Yeah, right. yeah. So I said, okay, I'll never race like that again. Like that. Oh, again. there's Chose the kicker. The words yeah. wisely. So she doesn't even know I'm racing now. She does. What? No, she doesn't. What do you tell her? What do you tell her? You go to Walmart? No, she, back no, she in knows five I hours. ride. She knows I ride. Is she listening today? Well, no, better. gosh, no. And I told you, I unfriended her on Facebook. Oh. How, could you un <laughs> how could you unfriend your wife? Because I don't want her to see the, the trophies comments. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, what do you put, where do you put them? They're in my truck. I have a safe in my truck. You do not. Yes, I do. I'll show it to you. He'll show it to I'll you when he leaves. I'll show it to you. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. He's no, hiding my, evidence. How long have you been married? <laughs> 35 years. She knows. I told you we've only no, had one fight. It just hasn't ended yet. Yeah. Oh, she knows. God. I will bet you a beer she knows. No, she knows. She, I'm just, I'm just yeah. kidding. No, she's she just, knows. Yeah, she, she knows. knows. She, she just won't bring it up. She's, no. you know. Just like, smart. You know, there, there are things that, you know, in marriage that you never ask. Yeah. How many motorcycles I, your husband has? She don't ask know, that. Ignorance is bliss. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, did you have more to say on this? Well, he's got five hours. I didn't hours. know if you wanted, I know this is not long enough. Uh, did you want to go the route of the statistic you told me? But we were, I was just having we, so much fun. I you was know, like, you know, we, we can't, we can. I, I, there's a positive the, the thing. Well, it, it's educational. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I've, I get messages all the time from people that are challenged, mm-hmm. whether it be because they're amputees or because they're fighting cancer or and i get involved in a lot of causes and i and i do try to help anywhere that i can but i get a lot of messages from people that uh, are about to lose a limb or have lost a limb and are really struggling with life and and they see a picture or something um and then they tell me you know in fact i had a guy that got a hold of me he was crying and he says hey they're going to take my leg off i was going to commit suicide he goes i really was going to commit suicide and i saw this picture of you flying through the air you know like 10 feet off the ground on a motorcycle with no leg and i thought Oh my gosh, I can still do what I wanted to yeah. do, you know. Yeah. So there's been a lot of that. And as as I've if I start to talk to these people and try to get them to realize that life doesn't end just because you're missing a tool, you can still complete the job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I started to look into amputation and I noticed that seventy percent of the population's overweight. Forty percent are obese. And the one of the biggest numbers or reasons people get amputations is for type two diabetes. Right. So if if you're not happy where you're at, and I wasn't before I started racing again, I was almost 200 pounds. What? With, with one leg. How long ago is this? Four years ago. What? I had been taking pain pills the doctor gave me. You know, I'm not weight. blaming the doctor. No, but no, but then that put all the weight on. I started taking pain pills, and pretty soon I was and I was taking gabapentin for phantom pain, and I was right. taking this yeah. and I taking that. So one day I said, hey. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a clock watcher. I don't want to have all these. I want to write all this crap right. down. So I quit taking all pain pills. I started to work out in the gym. And when I first went to the gym, I couldn't even swim one lap in the pool. I couldn't swim one lap. But the second well, he day, did, but he kept going in circles. Yeah. Because so, he only had one leg. So then I went and got a flip. Lord have mercy on Get David's it. soul. Get yes. it. Sorry for that, Michael. That's okay. Circle, Jeez. circle, circle. That's okay. So I ended up getting a swim fin. And then I got to the point where I could swim. Well, then you a definitely can't go straight if you got a swim fan. Yeah. So now I can swim 80 laps in an hour. Jeez. What? I, I, well, I ride 30 miles on the bike every other day. For our wow. listeners who can't see you, you said you were 200 pounds. And, and what are you now? About 135. Yeah. About 135. Yeah. Because like, remember, I'm missing my right uh, leg. Remember, he's 75%. Or yeah, and that's another 100 pounds. That's right. right. That's right. So did, I, you must change your diet. I did. I, I, I completely eliminated all processed sugar. And that was the biggest thing. As soon as I as soon as I eliminated the processed sugar from my diet, I lost over fifty pounds in ninety days. Ninety days, yeah. man. But you know what? I know lots of people that have been heavy and then lost weight, and they look terrible. And it's not because I want to date you, but you look phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, you look, you don't look like you lost 50 pounds. No, you don't. I well, lost over 50 pounds. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, and I, and I say that in a positive way for people to realize you can do this 
and be healthy and Just happy. Do it the right way. And you know what? You are coming to KUSI TV. I don't care where you live because you'll be such an inspirational story. We'll bring your bike, put you in your gear. He's and, coming back with Gail Webb for Yak Radio well, soon, but too. We're going to get Just him so on you know. TV. I mean, come on. Right? Don't you think so? I know that he's amazing. I think we're going to make that happen. My secretary will take care of it, dear. Take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. Racer Radio. Go. Gun Owners Radio right around the corner. Don't go nowhere. This is FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.